Hello, and welcome to the Fidelity Next podcast, a podcast for post-secondary students brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada, where we'll provide you with the tools you need to navigate your impending careers successfully in today's landscape. Today, we'll be sharing two stories of exceptional career growth at Fidelity Canada. Host Emily Ananuevo speaks with Katrina Wilson and Cameron Chamberlain, who will discuss their personal career growth at Fidelity and share lessons learned along the way. Katrina is an ETF strategist who previously worked as a district vice president in Fidelity Canada's advisor sales and also spent time in Silicon Valley. She's a graduate of Dalhousie University. Cameron is a portfolio strategist and former three-term co-op student who was hired full-time as an investment analyst after graduating from the University of Guelph. This is the eighth Fidelity Next podcast, and as you may have heard in a prior episode, Fidelity Canada has a long history of on-campus events. Due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to host events on campus, but hope these Fidelity Next podcasts and live webcasts can bridge that gap and provide you with the information we share during in-person sessions. To get things going, here's Emily. But first... The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy, or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Next. I'm your host, Emily Enenwevo. After years of studying hard and putting your blood, sweat, and tears into your college or university degree, you're now ready to enter the workforce. But knowing where to start, how to gain experience, who to first network with could be the most challenging first step. Today on the show, we'll hear two exceptional stories of career growth at Fidelity. Our guests will talk about how they effectively transitioned from school to the workforce and how they navigated a career in the financial industry. So please welcome ETF strategist Katrina Wilson and portfolio strategist Cameron Chamberlain to the show. Welcome to you both. Yes, thank you, Emily. Thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having us this afternoon. Happy to have you both here. Looking forward to our conversation. Okay, let's get started. Kat, if I can start with you. You graduated from Dalhousie University, then you started to work for some banks and worked in many different cities after you graduated. For the students watching today, can you explain how you, you know, transitioned from school into work and what was your sort of plan and thought process when you were first applying for those jobs? So I think I was really fortunate to be part of the co-op program, but, you know, important lesson for me, transitioning from school to work, I found at first I was really getting stuck on job titles. And so I know when I started interviewing, um, I was almost getting too picky, I think, or what I should have been. So then I started to network within sort of my immediate circle, reaching out to some of my friends' parents who had you know, jobs I found really interesting, were in industries I found really interested. So I really started to build out my network in that way. You know, I reached out to my parents and, you know, asked them if they had any individuals that they thought I should learn from. So I just started talking to people in different fields, different industries. And the best piece of advice I got is 
don't get too stuck on what your job title is, what you're doing at a school. Get in with a really great organization because a great organization can help you develop skills and they can really help coach you, mentor you, and really help you sort of identify what your career path looks like. So from there, I reached out to Scotiabank, um, you know, applied online, one of the challenging things to do, but really tried to find ways to identify myself uniquely um, against other applicants. But again, a big driver of that was actually through networking. So I think that's probably the number one piece of advice to help you differentiate yourself, but really try to focus um, more broad scale as well. And don't get too stuck on what that job title looks like. Uh, such wonderful recommendations right off the bat. So it's all about networking, communicating, talking to as many people as as you can. I like how you pointed out, don't get stuck in the job title. And if you can just expand a little bit more on that, because I guess students, a lot of students feel like I put in four or five years into my degree. Like I, I want that dream role right away. So what's your advice there? I mean, if students are getting discouraged. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, right? Throughout school, we learn about a handful of jobs. And even, you know, 10 years into my career, I learn about new jobs every day, both through my own career experience, but even talking to friends. And I actually find even, you know, 10 years into my career, which is still really early on the broad scale, if we think about retirement age, but even so many of my friends are now doing something totally different than what they started out doing. Because they either heard about a job, thought it sounded interesting, but learned about something new, or maybe there is a skill set they didn't know they were, wanted to learn. And as soon as they get exposure to that, they sort of completely change the way they want to spend their days. I mean, your job is what you're going to spend the most time doing. Um, and so I think it's really just identifying what you want to do, what you're passionate about, what that day to day looks like. And I mean, my very first job was doing expenses. So in no way is that the you know title or what I wanted to do day to day. I love working with people. I was in a cubicle all day. Um, but you know, the feedback I got at the end of my co-op term was, we know this isn't what you want to do for the entirety of your career, but you come in every day with a smile on your face. I've never heard you complain. You put in an effort to network, and I would ask my director, you know. Is there anyone in different departments that I should be in contact with, even just to learn about what their day looks like? Um, and I was really grateful from there. You know, at the end of my co-op term, he said, I'm going to get you in touch with someone on the asset management arm, which is, you know, an area of the business you're interested in. So just getting my foot in the door at Scotiabank, even though it wasn't the job that I wanted to do, and I actually still keep in touch with that director. And he's also no longer in accounts payable. Um, he's now second in command at Scotia McLeod on the brokerage side. So, you know, he brought me into his side of the business. He's really moved around at the bank and I'm still fortunate enough to keep in touch with him today. So that sort of hopefully uh, a great example of the power of networking, but building um, sort of your personal mentors and coaches specifically as well. That's fantastic. And if I can bring in you, Cam, would you agree with uh, with Kat? I mean, not getting stuck on the job title, getting started with a great organization. And she mentioned a co-op term there and, and you've actually done three co-op terms with Fidelity. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to really find 
not only just a, a job to get into, but also an organization that you find you can really connect with. So uh, before I did three co-op terms with Fidelity as a student, I also did a co-op term at a bank. And for me, it wasn't so much that I didn't enjoy the organization, but the job itself wasn't something that I really wanted to dive my te teeth into long term. And so I really took advantage of the opportunity to meet and hear from Fidelity on campus uh, when I was a student and then ultimately get connected with a couple of the hiring managers, specifically within our advisor sales team through my campus co-op coordinator. And that's really how I made my transition to Fidelity. And really what I've seen since then is that I've been able to grow with the organization, work in a couple of different roles in different areas of the organization, even just as a student. So I really got an idea and a good understanding of what Fidelity was all about before I committed to joining Fidelity again full time after I graduated. Wonderful. Now, I'm going to throw this question to both of you. Still sticking with the theme of transitioning from school to the workforce. So for both of you, what was the most difficult or challenging part of that whole transition? And ultimately, how long do you think it took to really feel like you were in your profession and in your career, like a couple of years, a couple of months? Kat, I'm going to start with you. Sure. You know, I think probably the hardest thing for me, which might sound like an uh you know, maybe not the answer you're expecting, but it's actually just the structure of your days. With school, mm. I mean, you obviously had a, a schedule, but it wasn't the same every day. And so maybe some days you had class, you know, at two and four and Tuesday might look very different and you have flexibility in terms of when you can study. So you do have some flexibility as it relates to time management. And frankly, also time management in school is a little bit different because you're not told you have to come into work over these hours. And so I think that was actually the biggest transition for me was actually just going from more flexibility in terms of your workday at school, and then going into a much more structured Monday to Friday type of role. Would you agree, Cam? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, more so than just the individual work day or work week, it was about the difference of not having that end date. So when you're a co-op student, you're really working in those four months or kind of semester by semester intervals where you have the goal that you're working towards at the end of the term to go back to school um, or if you're in school to go and start working. And really, when I started my career, my end date is 40 years from now when I'm retiring. So it became more of a challenge, I think, as well, to think a little bit more about how you manage your work-life balance, especially when you're starting out in your career, to get yourself into good habits uh, as well, and find a balance that works for you and a routine that can work for you. Because that really is the biggest challenge without having that transition, that end date to kind of work towards. You don't have the same kind of mindset, or at least I did. And so I really spent a lot more time focusing on a little bit more about myself, how I was going to interact with friends, family, exercise, all that kind of stuff, those other hobbies that you might have, and really focus that way on the way that you balance your time. Because again, working for four months as a student, either in school or in a job, maybe it's over the summer, is really a very short period of time. There's a really big learning curve usually right at the beginning. And then right when you kind of get in the groove of whatever work you're doing, you're kind of already starting to transition back into whatever's next. And really, when you start full time, you don't have that same opportunity. There's a learning curve, of course, but it's more on you to make sure that as you continue to plan for your longer term career goals, that you continue to move forward in that kind of progression. I found that that was really the biggest transition is moving away from those really short term kind of four month mindsets uh, that you kind of have when you're a student. That's, that's such a great point. 
when I got my first full-time offer, I remember saying to my parents, like, there's no end date. And so it's so true. It really changes your approach to it. But I think to add to that further, it was also, I'm a very goals-based person. So I think Cam laid that out perfectly too, that when you're in school and you know the end date, you know what you're working towards. And so one of the things that I tried to sort of adapt was to have some career goals, six, 12, 18 month career goals as well, so that, you know, you're not just thinking, well, I'm going to do this for 40 years. I could kind of keep myself as a transition thinking about what do I want to achieve in the next six months? And sort of mentally, I had an idea of what that goal and time frame looked like, even though it wasn't as definitive as the semester is done. I have an exam and I'm working towards getting a great grade in the class. Fantastic advice and insights. What is the best way for a student, undergrad or grad, to gain exposure to different careers in finance? So, Cam, if I can start with you, what would you say? Absolutely. First and foremost, you'll hear this a lot, but networking. Kat already talked about it a little bit. Reach out to your network, reach out through your university, and really try to network with people in different fields because finance is very broad. It can be a little daunting at times to really try to figure out what exactly you want to do. And the best way I think to do that is to really attend sessions like this, talk to different people, hear about different industries, different career stories as well. And it can kind of start to give you ideas about where you might want to work, start to learn a little bit more and really drill down into what it is specifically uh, you'd like to do. The other thing that and I already mentioned, I did the fidelity, but attend those different seminars or sessions that are put on, start networking with potentially some of the hiring managers and hear a little bit more about some of those companies you might be interested in. I, I'd say networking and attending those Networking type sessions are really the biggest ways that you can really start to make an impact and think a little bit more about what exactly it is you might want to do in your career. Excellent. And Kat, what would you say to a student undergrad or grad who's trying to get exposure into different careers in finance? Yeah, so I think just to extend on to what Kia mentioned, networking is so important and it's just as impactful of knowing what you don't want to do. And I think oftentimes we hear about a job title or we think about what a role looks like. And once you get into it, you might realize it's not actually the way that you want to um, sort of build your career. So two additional resources that I would say is I always found, you know, reaching out to recruiters can be really meaningful and can help you just broadly navigate. I did that a couple of times early in my career and really just introduced myself and wanted them to get to know me and if a role came up that they thought was interested in me, but they were actually also really, really valuable as it relates to helping me navigate the job market, you know, gave me feedback on different companies based on what I'm looking for. So instead of going in with, I want this job, it was, you know, these are the things I'm interested in. These are the skills that I want to develop that I want to use. And then they were actually able to point me in the direction. The other thing that I did um, when I was looking to make a career move a few years ago, which is what brought me to Fidelity, thankfully. But I actually just sat down and this was um, advice I got from one of my mentors. And I'm sort of repeating myself, but don't worry about the job title. Sit down and actually figure out what you want to do. So I actually sat down and I wrote a job description very vaguely, but said, what's my dream job? And so I started writing down little skills and words and I started searching job boards with these keywords. And then I came across a job posting of a job I didn't know existed. I didn't know anything about wholesaling. I didn't know the title inside wholesaler. And when I started searching what I wanted to do, I'm like, oh, that's what this role is. And this is exactly aligned with what I want to do. And Fidelity is an incredible company I'd always heard about. 
And so that was a project or process that I took that helped me land my dream job with an incredible company. So I think that's something that's worth exploring as well, or even just starting to think about, you know, how do you want to spend your day? Uh, I absolutely love those insights. You mentioned so many important things there. The fact that you had a mentor and somebody yeah. to guide you, writing pen to paper, writing down your 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 dream job, a visual affirmation. I love, love all of that. Kat, if I can continue with you, did you find a lot of distractions when you first entered the workforce with emails and calls and meetings? How did you find time to sit down and and dive into the deeper work. It's such a challenge, especially in a new role, because you're getting pulled into different meetings so that you can learn. The number one piece of advice I have, and this is something I swear by, block time in your calendar to catch up. And this is something, you know, I have mentors. I also love working closely as a mentor myself. And oftentimes it's with individuals that are moving into a new role within Fidelity. And that's the number one thing I say, because we can get pulled into so many different directions. Emails are a very sort of primary mode of communication now. And so sometimes you might get 10 emails in an hour. And my personality is I want to answer them right away. And so what I started doing is I have to block my calendar. And it's a different time every day. Usually Monday mornings, I try to block it. I don't do any meetings. And that's my time to get ready for the week. Do any readings that if I didn't do them over the weekend, you know, mapping out my week, what are my to-do list? How am I going to get them done? What are my top priorities for the week? But if I don't actually block that time in my calendar, it ends up being really challenging to get organized for the week. So that would be my number one piece of advice is block time for yourself to learn to focus. Yes. I'm a terrible multitasker. <laughs> so doing my deep work. I need to make sure that I have time set aside where I can fully. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about time management and it's such a struggle, whether you're a student or, you know, deep into your career, it's always about trying to manage your time and, and give yourself structure. But that's such great advice to actually physically block time in your schedule to get to your other tasks, right? Because that could be the most difficult thing in your day. How tough is it to manage gaining designations? And did Fidelity help you manage this in any way? Yeah, so I did my CFA prior to joining Fidelity, but uh, okay. I know Fidelity is a huge supporter of, you know, furthering your knowledge through education, oftentimes through a designation. So the support is there as it relates to, you know, taking some time off before the exam, monetary support as well. Overall, Fidelity is a, you know, fantastic partner and employer and certainly supports that. But as it relates to the time, it is absolutely an investment, but it's an investment in your career. And so, you know, Em, as you mentioned, both Cam and I did the CFA. I think it's incredible. And I think it's a really powerful way to differentiate yourself, but also to build credibility, regardless of what role you want to pursue or what sort of channel within the financial industry you want to pursue. If you're passionate about the financial industry, I think as you're interviewing, and this is something, again, a piece of advice that I got, you're not going to have your CFA right out of school. But if you sign up to write any designation right out of school, the way you're differentiating yourself is your commitment to the industry. And so that was something really powerful that I got. So they said, sign up for your CFA. If you are passionate about the investment industry, sign up right away. 
It is, first of all, easier to transition to studying when you're going from school to work as opposed to, you know, 10 years out of studying going back. For me, I think that would have been more challenging. But you can actually sit down in an interview and if they ask you, this is the industry you want to be in and are you passionate about it? Yes, I'm in the process of writing an exam that is solely designation driven for this industry and it can take a number of years. So you know my commitment already. It's instant credibility and like I said, commitment. So I love that. Yeah, I love that phrase. Yeah. So I don't Instant think it credibility. needs to be the CFA. Mm. Yeah. So I don't think it needs to be the CFA. Find what designation you're interested in. But if you want to stand out, I would encourage to show, take that initiative before. And sometimes you might get a role. And in some cases, the role might have a requirement for that designation. So take that initiative, take that first step. And I think that's a great way to differentiate yourself. Absolutely. I love that. Take the initiative and always show that you're willing to learn. Pam, if you can take this one on, what are some extracurricular activities you recommend for students interested in the finance career? Great question. I think there are a number of investment clubs at different universities. Uh, you can absolutely look to get involved there. I think there are some great opportunities from that perspective to really start to get a little bit more knowledge and practice, especially if you are interested in asset management type fields. But really, it depends on the type of role that you're looking at and interested in. I think one of the things that I did that helped me when I was a student, really, at the University of Guelph is I got involved with the Student Senate. And so I had an opportunity to network with some of my colleagues across different uh, degrees at university, but also with a lot of the faculty. And I think that's really great practice. And I've been able to take a lot of what I learned in some of those other roles that aren't necessarily finance related and still apply those skills to my career today. So regardless of whether you're focused on extracurriculars that are directly related to finance type roles or even just getting involved more broadly, I think there are definitely skills that you can take out of a number of those different kind of experiences and backgrounds. And I'll just add maybe similar to what Kat was saying earlier on designations. While I was in university, I actually started working on and completed my the CSC, the Canadian Securities course, as a way uh-huh. to show employers that I was already willing to take that next step to try to differentiate myself a little bit more. And I actually went a little beyond that. And in my last year of university, completed level one exam for the CFA. So I, to some extent, positioned myself through extracurriculars as starting to work towards those designations while even at university. So that's also an opportunity for you, I think, if you are trying to find ways to differentiate yourself from some of your other friends and uh, colleagues uh, as you're going and uh, getting towards graduation. So maybe start to differentiate yourself a little bit. Excellent. Excellent recommendations. Another question coming in specifically, what is the best networking method for meeting new people in the industry? So one, I think LinkedIn is a fantastic tool. You know, I've had people reaching out to me. I have reached out to individuals as well. In particular, if I'm early in my career, when I was looking to apply at a job, I'd go on LinkedIn and I would see if Mm -hmm. either I was connected to anyone that worked there or in some cases, if I saw an individual and they were connected to someone I know, I wasn't shy to ask them for an introduction. Obviously, make sure that, you know, you're comfortable reaching out to that individual, but I also wouldn't be shy to reaching out to someone on LinkedIn that you have never met before. Introduce yourself. They may or may not get back to you, but I think it's great to show that initiative. Also, specifically for the investment or finance industry, there is a number of sort of seminars that are hosted by the Toronto CFA Society. I know, unfortunately, with COVID, since they're virtual, it's a little bit harder to network when you go to those sessions because they're virtual. But when they do pick up again, I think those are a great way to go to these sessions, you know, educate yourself on different themes that you find interesting. But most importantly, 
you can actually connect with individuals after the sessions. Absolutely. Now, one big question here, why do you think Fidelity is a good company to work for? And Cam, I'm going to throw that to you first. You've done three co-op terms with Fidelity. You know, you went from investment analyst to now portfolio strategist. Why do you think Fidelity is a good company to work for? So one of the things that I really loved about working at Fidelity during my time as a co-op student, but then also during my time, of course, being with Fidelity full time is, first of all, the training and resources that Fidelity will dedicate to you as a student to really give you that opportunity to better yourself and learn some of those skills that you can kind of carry with you for the rest of your career. But then also the ability to really do impactful and meaningful work right from day one. When I was a co-op student, I was doing work that I know was being seen and utilized by our senior executive team, for example. That was still true when I started at the beginning of my career uh, full-time with Fidelity. And so one of the things that I've really liked about Fidelity is that they trust young people. They'll allow you to grow, they'll allow you to learn, and they'll allow you to take on roles and responsibilities that really give you an opportunity to grow and make an impact on the organization right away. And I think that's something that not all of my friends at other companies have necessarily had the ability to do early in their careers. But really having that trust and room to grow at Fidelity is really what I think stands out to me. Uh, culture is a such a broad and vague word sometimes, but it really is one of those core tenets of Fidelity's culture that really stands out and has really kept me involved in Fidelity and really drove me to come back to Fidelity after I graduated. That's wonderful. Kat, what would you say? Just to add to that, and I echo the comments on growth, really what stands out to me is the collaboration. I've certainly worked places where, you know, if you work within the sales organization, you really... Stay within your world. You focus on sales. There's not so much of a seamless sort of communication and collaboration across business lines. Whereas at Fidelity, there is so much constant communication, brainstorming, so many different sort of initiatives or working groups. So, you know, I'm not on the marketing team, but I'm part of a marketing sort of working group from individuals from different areas of the business where we can all sit down and brainstorm and talk about marketing campaigns and be able to have input in a variety of different business lines. But most importantly, it's a two-way communication. I think that's what makes not only the business so successful, but it also makes it a ton of fun at work to be able to have that sort of flexibility, creativity, and really that collaborative work environment. Absolutely. And I completely agree with you both. You know, I can attest to that being on the digital side of things, the fact that Fidelity lets you make an impact right away, the fact that they support your learning and growing, it is a testament to why people stay with the company so long. So fabulous. We have a few minutes left. I want to squeeze in a few more questions. What is something you regret not doing as a new grad or student once entering the workforce? What would you say, Cam? I probably didn't network enough. So for me personally, it was really that networking piece. I think that was one area where I probably could have done a little bit more when I was a student or when I was a new grad, I could have networked a little bit better. But I think that that's always an opportunity as well for you to make changes as you kind of go forward. So I think I do do a much better job of networking now than I did earlier in my career. I think that's always a bit of a challenge. And for me at Fidelity, I had the opportunity to network a lot internally and with other people inside the organization. It was really with the folks outside the organization where I probably could have done a little bit more. 
And Kat? I'm going to give a personal answer on this one. I graduated. I flew home and I started work. I think I flew home Saturday and I started work Monday. (laughs) I wish I had taken two weeks off. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was really envious of uh, people. If you have the, the means to be able to travel or just take two weeks off to, you know, decompress, get organized, get excited to make that transition. I remember after I was in the, in the job for six months, I remember thinking, I could have just pushed back my start date two weeks. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, you, you hit the ground running and you don't really have time to, to sort of breathe and recharge before you, before yeah. you start a new, a new job. That's for sure. Well, t- you know, the half an hour flew by. We, we could talk another 30 minutes about this topic. I want to just thank you both so much for your wonderful insights and practical recommendations and advice. Thank you so much, Em. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And for more information on job opportunities at Fidelity, what we do as a company and our culture, just visit careers.fidelity.ca and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Next podcast. You can visit fidelity.ca for details on future live webcasts. Follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review or a five-star rating. Thanks. See you next time.